What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right. You are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. Of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we are going to review the brand new movie, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. But before we get there, I'm your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. First up, this past week after seeing the, the movie, because for some reason after we see movies, Ron goes on these, these benders, he decided that he needed to outfit his entire house in fresh garlic in hopes to keep Nosferatu at bay. Ladies and gentlemen, I give it to you, Ron. I always have fresh garlic at the house just in case. You never know when you, you need know, to make you a never good know. sauce. Dude, I, there's bumps in the night in my house. I don't know what it is. I, I'm one of the few people that probably keeps their bedroom door closed with a chair behind it at night. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I have a feeling what it is, but I'm gonna keep that to myself and Patreon, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, of course, the other nerd is in the house, and he doesn't need an introduction. But yeah, he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger bearded feller. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Diesel. I see you came for a little sucky sucky. Well, yes. Uh, the, the Technically, yes. Everybody mm-hmm. came for a little sucky sucky this week. And uh, if you went to see the last voyage of the Demeter, just like Wes, you got a little sucky sucky in that aspect. Or maybe a little further, depending upon uh, how uh, you may, maybe your lady friends will treat you or your gentleman friends or whoever your friends are might be. Or a little bit of both. It was time of the month. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I thought you would have just taken tone with you. I'm just saying, that would have been smarter he, he, business. He called and canceled, so I had to call somebody oh, else for his time of the boo, month. Boo. <laughs> well, with that, uh, Ron, we'll start with you. How's been your week? Uh, very, actually, uneventful for the most part. Uh, you know, coming off of the SummerSlam trip, um, pretty much I came here last week to record with you guys. Didn't even go get wings, went home, fell asleep. Tuesday, went to work, came home, fell asleep. Like, it. It's pretty much been the week. The Wednesday group we met, we enjoyed ourselves. You know, we're working. We made it. Nothing major happened except for a new guy almost died, but because I had the boots of a levitation, I was able to save him. Nice. But you know, it wasn't. It was actually good. Good encounters in the part of the dungeon thing that we in the city that we're exploring. Um, it was just we're doing a lot more of not being like oh. We just had an encounter. Let's rest. And we're like, okay, let's go through this. Like, and it's just like, okay. And then it's like, oh crap, we just got our asses kicked because yeah. we didn't have enough spells or whatever. But it, it makes it actually makes the game more realistic. So that's what we've been doing. That's about it. All right, Diesel. How's been the week? Pretty dull, actually. <laughs> Haven't really done much. Went out Friday night to watch the uh, the last voyage of the Demeter. Worked on Saturday, and then just finally had a visit with my uh, family on Sunday. First day off I've had all month. <laughs> nice. Yeah, mine was a, it was a little more eventful. Of course, my uh, seventh year anniversary was on uh, this past Thursday, so I went to dinner and a baseball game with the wife, and then on Sunday we went out and uh, we're on the lake for a little bit, so that was nice. So yeah, I got a little bit of uh, anniversary celebration to do, and, and in between there, just kind of hung out and got tried to recharge the batteries, you know, and just kind of just, you know, going with what we go with you know what i mean if 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 you don't know now you know uh but yeah i can't complain it was a great week and i hope everybody out there listening also had a great week and i hope you have a great upcoming week as well 
And before we can jump into the fun parts of the show, we got to take care of a little business. You know that means we got to hit them with the opening shameless plugs. Of course, if you're looking for any information about the 3FN Podcast at all, it's simple. You go to 3FNPodcast.com. There, you can find all the social media links. The Public link, which there was a sale this past week, so hopefully you got some nerd swag over there. Also, on top of all of that, you can find the Patreon link. Patreon.com slash 3FNPodcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content and help support everything we do. Also, on top of that, while you're there, make sure you check out the, uh, the sections for the 3FN Podcast and... And 607TWS, the wrestling show, the pro wrestling podcast I do with Ken M from the ODPH every single week. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you should be checking that out. Also, while you're there, check out Friends of the Show, like the ODPH podcast. You're not going to regret that as well. Also, take a stop over by the musical directory to support the bands who support us by allowing us to use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs. And of course, that includes the band Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song that you hear for the 3FN podcast each and every week. Go check them out and support them on YouTube Music, Bandcamp, and Spotify. And last but not least, while you're there, check out the sponsors section. Those are the fine folks that uh, allow us to come to you commercial-free each and every week. Uh, if you're in the 607, check out Rex to Rods Auto Detailing. If you uh, need to put the pride back in your ride, Diesel, who do they call? 607-644-3389. And of course, while you're there, the official energy drink of the 3FN Podcast, Dubby Energy. Go to dubby.gg and use the promo code 3FNPod at checkout for 10% off. And then, of course, our good friends at Dragon Master Games. Uh, for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, go to DragonMasterGames.com. And the main sponsor for this week, because we're almost upon it, Sci-Fi Horror Fest. Going down in Vernon, New York at the Vernon Downs Casino on August 25th and 26th. For all ticket information about celebrities that are going to be there, vendors, and so much more, visit their website, SciFiHorrorFest.com. And of course, if you forget any of those, just make sure to stop over to 3FNPodcast.com because we got your hookup. That's right. A little bit of business there. You know, you got to take business. care of that business. You know, somebody had asked me, you know, do you always enjoy doing that? I'm like, no. But you know what? If I don't, then how are the new people going to know to go to 3FNPodcast.com and get all that great information? You know what I mean? It's if, if you want to jump in and you want to have a conversation with us or anything else or support us on Patreon, because that's really nice to do. I got a lot of, we got a lot of things for the podcast coming up, including being back at New York Comic Con as press. So, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things, guys. Got to hook, I'm with you. Hook, hook a brother up. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Make sure. Yeah, you know, help help me get some uh, some Shake Shack in my life while I'm in New York City. You know, I, you know that's all I can say. Uh, no, no, we appreciate and love all of our patrons. They get a ton of extra bonus content this week. They got a lot of stuff dropping on them because uh, I'll be recording a lot of stuff this week. Hopefully, the guys can stop in for some of it, but I'll be recording some of it on my own, and it's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. So you're going to want to check that out. But now that we are past all of the shameless plugging let's now dive right in to the show which i know that's what you came for and we'd like to kick it off with a little let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat welcome to diesel's movie triple stuff we've got uh, another interesting box office this week Coming in at number five, debuting on this list, The Last Voyage of the Debeater, pulling in $6.5 million. Rough open. 
Roof really open, rough. but then again, there's a lot in the box office making money. Uh, dropping down to the number four spot, Meg 2, The Trench, pulls in another $13 million. Wow. I mean, I, I would like to think that we had something to do with that with our review. <laughs> uh, s- moving up a spot to the number three, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, pulling in $16 million. By the way, real good movie. I, I definitely thumbs yeah. up that movie. Uh, check it out. I mean, I know that some people said it was better than Across the Spider-Verse. I don't think it was that no. great, but I still think it's really good, and it definitely needs to be watched. Those numbers should definitely go up, yeah. in my opinion. No, I'm with you. Staying in at number two, Oppenheimer with another $19 million for its fourth week on the list. I love Oppenheimer. If our patrons got to hear that exclusive, great movie. Go see it. And then the queen of the box office, Barbie with another $34 million. I just want to point out for the fourth week in a row, number one in the United States, <laughs> it did get overtaken last week, remember, worldwide for just one week with the Meg 2. Yes. Outside of that, though, it has been number one, not just domestically, but worldwide, is uh, reasserting its dominance now. So, Diesel, since that's what's in the box office, what's coming to the box office this week? All right, coming out this week, we have The Haunting of Queen Mary, Strays, and Blue Beetle. That's right. And, of course, next week's 3FN Movie Club review will be Blue Beetle. And the week after that, it will be Strays uh, because uh, we're going to be going to Sci-Fi Horror Fest that weekend. So it's just easier to get that out of the way. And that way you guys get a show and you don't have to worry about us not having time to record or whatever like that because we're going to be tired. So, therefore, we and we also want to see Strays. Let's be honest. That movie looks like a lot of fun. So those are your next two weeks. And, Diesel, uh, what's coming in the box office the week that we weren't, aren't reviewing a movie? All right. We got a bunch of different movies coming out. We got Golda. Uh, Retribution, Bottoms, and Gran Turismo. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still confused on that damn Gran Turismo movie. I'm kind of like, based on a true story, and I'm just like... I don't yeah. think he actually raced... Perf- like, I don't think he actually raced race. I don't know, yeah. but I still... I, 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 know, I, know, I, know, I know they brought him in to train, but I don't remember if he actually made it to the actual track. If, if you're excited for it, or if Sony's paying you for it, then have fun with it. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that one out there. Uh, Diesel... Now that we are past all that fun stuff, it is time to hit that signature move. What is this week's top three? This week's top three is your top three favorite vampires from any media. So that could be anything. It could be comic books. It could be novels. It could be TV. It could be movies. Just so happens I went with all TV and movies. And then my number three spot. And uh, rest in peace, Paul Rubens, the never-dying vampire <laughs> from the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. If you've never seen it, Paul Rubens is amazing in that. Uh, it's one of my favorite vampires, bar none, and so much entertaining and fun. And number two, let's go back to the old school, Grandpa Monster <laughs> from the TV show. Not the Rob Zombie movie, but Grandpa Monster, who also ended up being the mayor of New York City, too, So yep. at nice. one point. So that's pretty awesome. And last, but certainly not least, in my number one slot... And you could say this is the novel, but I'm going for the movie. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Gary Oldman as uh, Dracula, I think, is it's never going to be topped. So that is my number one. Ron, what is your top three? Uh, number three, I'm going with uh, David from The Lost Boys. Okay. It, it, like, it was just one of, when I was younger. It was one of the first vampire movies I remember watching. So that's why that one's there. Uh, number two, got to hate him all the way through but Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> in, in Angel. Like, he, he, like it or not, he made that show. It was definitely one of the characters I kept going with. And number one, of course, you're going to hear uh, from Ravenloft himself, Strahd, the vampire. Like, one of the most charismatic vampires there is. And, and when you play D&D and you're playing Ravenloft, you know, sometimes you just get a group that just goes, 
eh, let's go help them. Yep. <laughs> they never get the rewards they want, but they go and help. <laughs> and that just makes a whole different campaign. Yeah, yeah. Diesel, your top three. All right. Coming in at number three is rounds number two. We are going with Spike from Buffy Spike. and Angel. So much better. Yes. So much better than Angel. You're a wee bloody puppet man. <laughs> number two, we are going to go with Eben Olison. A.K.A. Josh Hartnett's character from 30 Days of Night. Great. Oh, I love nice, 30 nice. Days of Night. That's <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, seeing so a human shoot himself up with vampire blood to turn himself because that's the only way he can stop the vampires. Pretty badass. So he gets a top two spot on my list. Okay. And then number one, from the books, not the movies, the vampire Lestat. All nice. right. There you mm-hmm. go. There you go. Uh, you know, there's some uh, honorable mentions that could have been on there because uh, somebody could have put Blade on there. Yep. Which, uh, regardless of how the movies have aged, uh, that was one of the first big successful comic book yep. movies. And I don't think I think the reason why is because most people didn't know it was a comic book movie. Uh, but yeah, Blade, Blade could have been on there easily. I was thinking of uh, you know obviously uh, True Blood for those True Blood fans. There's a couple different vampires I know people are big fans of. Of course, I'm I'm personally just a fan of uh, <laughs> of of the actors, especially one particular who won my Man Crush of the Year last year for mm-hmm. his role in The Northman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, if you know, you know. And then uh, last but not least, uh, there's there's a ton of just, a, the, it's a great fucking genre. Yeah, you can go Twilight if you want. You can go like actual brutal vampires, but vampires are great characters usually. Yeah. You could go with Bella Lugosi mm-hmm. and go back that. You could do, yeah. even go with uh, with uh, Nicholas Cage and Renfield. Yeah, you could go with Christopher, <laughs> you could go with Christopher Price yep. and do the Hammer films. There's, there's so much you could go with, so much. But with that... Let us know. Hit us up. Tell us know your top three, especially you know if you want to throw it out there because uh, we always love hearing from you guys. And next week, I promise, I promise that there's no anniversary, so I promise <laughs> that I will get the top three out to you so you guys can give your picks before the show and we can give you some shout-outs. Well, now that we have finished up at Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff, you know we have to jump right into... Welcome to... Three events Movie Club. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, good certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That's right, it is now time for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. And as I said at the beginning of the show, we will be reviewing The Last Voyage of the Demeter for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. But before we jump into the review, let's lay some ground rules down for those of you who might have forgotten or for those of you who are giving us a try for the first time. And thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoy and come back. So here is how we like to do the 3FN Movie Club Review. Uh, For those of you who haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We're not going to spoil anything right away because we do a spoiler-free and then a spoiler-full portion that is separated by a break so it gives you plenty of time to dive out. So uh, first up in the spoiler-free section, we are going to go ahead and uh, Diesel will give you his spoiler-free synopsis, which is usually a very fun a good time and then i'm going to give you the stats of the movie including you know the numbers and then on top of that like who made the movie who started the movie and we'll end it with a spoiler free thumbs up thumbs in the middle or thumbs down recommendation then the break will come where you'll hear from one of our uh, awesome podcast friends before kicking on the other side and we'll give you one final warning before diving into the full spoiler review of the last voyage of the demeter and ending it ending it only then with our, uh, the scores around the internet and our scores. So, 
Now that I've said all that, gentlemen, are you ready to dive in and talk about the last voyage of the Demeter? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Diesel, I believe... Man, I got a story to tell. In what should be a routine voyage, the Demeter captain and crew realize they are carrying the most dangerous cargo. The most dangerous catch? <laughs> the, ooh, ooh, the deadliest, deadliest catch. catch. Ooh. <laughs> uh, the Meg was in this movie, too? <laughs> that could have been a good crossover and plot twist. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, it looks like it's going to get to shore, and boom, the Meg it just takes it all out. Uh, we're, we're just living in fantasy booking, folks. So, uh, of course, The Last Voyage of the Demeter was released this past week, August 11th, 2023, with a runtime of 118 minutes, so two minutes shy of two hours. Uh, budget of the movie, an estimated $45 million. And as D uh, did not have a worldwide opening yet, just domestic. So as Diesel pointed out, uh, it was good for the number five spot. But $6.5 million, I, uh, you know, that's not a great start to it. But once again, no global box office yet, just domestic. Uh, the director uh, now, oh, sorry, I almost forgot the little sound thing that people love because now we got to find out who made this movie. Who made this scene? The director of this film, and I'm going to butcher these names because there's a lot of Scandinavian names here, Andre Overdell. Uh, the first movie Andre did was Future Murder in 2000. Uh, but what he's most famous for is the next two movies he directed, well, later on would direct because he did a bunch of like shorts and stuff, Troll Hunter and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Nice. Also, he is slated to be uh, directing that sequel as well. So nice. he will be directing the sequel to Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. On the, on the screenplay aspect, of course, we have the author of the book it was taken from, and that is the legendary Bram Stoker, based on his book Dracula. More specific, the chapter, The Captain's Log of the of Bram Stoker's Dracula. That is what this uh, whole movie is based on. But the screenwriters, are first up, did the screenplay and screen story, is Braji F. Shu. Uh, Braji's first movie was in 2011, Season of the Witch. He wrote that that was the one with Nick Cage. Remember, yep. uh, he was like a knight in yeah. medieval times fighting a witch. Uh, also, Escape Room and okay. Samaritan most recently oh, nice. is what Braji did. The other person on this list has only done uh, three movies so far. Written three movies, I should say, so far. And that's Zach Olowitz. And Zach's first movie that he wrote, Fear Street Part 2, 1978 oh, nice. in 2021. His other one, we did for the 3FN Movie Club review, Bullet Train. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. So he's the writer of Bullet Train. Next up, this is one of those rare films that has two directors of photography. So there's two DPs on this movie, the first of which, Roman Osen, uh, first movie that he directed, The Warrior, or sorry, the first director of photography on The Warrior in 2001. Then he did Pride and Prejudice, the 2005 yep. version, Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium, and also he was the DP for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So you see a little trend okay. there, right? And then the other, the other wonderful DP on this film, Tom Stern. First movie, Bloodwork in 2002. Mystic River, Million okay. Dollar Goodness. Baby, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Letters from Iwo Jima, Gran Torino, Invictus, J. Edgar, Sully, this one's for you, Diesel, The Meg, and most recently, Ice Road. Nice. <laughs> nice. Last but not least, the composer of this film, and I think did a great job here, Bear McCreary. Bear McCreary's done a lot of stuff on TV, including like Battlestar Galactica and such. Uh, that's why the name probably sounds familiar. Yeah, the name definitely sounds familiar. <laughs> First movie he'd composed, though, uh, Periphery, Texas in 2002. Then he did The Boy, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Happy Death Day, The Cloverfield Paradox, yep. Hellfest, Happy Death Day to You, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the Child's Play remake, which had great music, Fantasy Island, you know, the horror movie version, 
And uh, most recently, one of them would be Freaky. Nice. Oh, but nice. He's also done work for uh, I, uh, one of the things that he did was the last God of War game. Okay. He was also so he's done a lot of video games. He's done a lot of stuff. We usually try to just stick to the 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 movies, but sometimes you got to give a shout out for other things as well. You're gonna find that on the actors in a minute because now that we know who made the movie, who starred in this? For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? All right. Well, this has got a very young cast. I would I'm not saying young in age, but very young as far as like a lot of what they've done. First up in a starring role as the character Clemens, Corey Hawkins. Uh, first movie that Corey did, Allegiance, in 2012. He was also in Iron Man 3, and then he had probably his biggest breakout role, straight out of Compton. He played Dr. Dre in that movie. Yes. Kong Skull Island, he had a part in. He was in Black Klansman. And for, for Ron, he was in Six Underground. Yes, he was. Uh, he was also in the, in the Heights, and he will be, later this year, in the Color Purple remake. Yes. So he's got another big uh, one on the docket here in 2023. Next up is Osling Francois, and that she played Anna. Her first movie, Jimmy's Hall in 2014. She was in The uh, Nightingale. And also, Ron, I got to give a shout out to you and all of our friends who play D&D. And I know it's not a movie, but she is uh, a voice on The Legend of Vox Machina right. over there on Amazon. So yep. she does, uh, she's only been in four episodes. She's not one of the main characters, but she is one of the side characters. And that's pretty awesome. Next up, though, playing Captain Elliot, Liam Cunningham. Uh, Liam's first movie was Into the West in 1992. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff in the BBC, uh, a lot of TV, yeah. made-for-TV stuff. Uh, but some other big movies he did, First Night with Sean Connery, <laughs> Clash of the Titans. And most people will remember him because he had a huge role on Game of Thrones. Uh, we were none of us were really yeah. big Game of Thrones fans, <laughs> but I know a lot of people were marking out because he was a big character okay. on that show. He was pretty much I think in every episode. Next up, and this is a big shout out because this is one of Ron's favorite actors. Period. David Dashmelchin. 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 Uh, yeah, you say it better than I do. Dashmelchin. Uh, he played Wojak. The uh, of course his first movie, The Dark Knight in two thousand eight, yep. where yep. he played one of the Joker's henchmen. And then he was in Ant Man. He was in the Belco Experiment. Blade Runner 2049. He would reprise his role from Ant-Man in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Then he was in Bird Box, The Suicide Squad, Dune Part 1, and then he would come back to do Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, but not as the same character he was in the other two movies. He was a voice yep. of one of the uh, the blobby prefer person. I have holes! That's right. And then, uh, of course, he's had a huge 2023 because in 2023, he wasn't just in The Last Voyage of the Demeter. He was in The Boogeyman and Oppenheimer. Yes. So he's had a huge 2023. And he's got Dune 2 coming up. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he is not appearing in that movie as of we know because that was not on his future movies. I mean, spoiler alert for Dune 1. <laughs> Next up, uh, and that also got pushed back till 2024 unless they move it forward again. Uh, Javier Botet played the, the he played the villain he played Dracula, uh, Benicio Del Waters in 05. He was in the entirety of the Wreck franchise. Okay. okay. Also, Crimson Peak, The Conjuring Two, The Mummy that would be the Tom Cruise movie. He was in it and It Chapter Two as the uh, hobo. He played Slender Man in the Slender Man movie, and he was also in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, he's done a lot of great creature. Uh, he's a, one of the creature actors, yeah. and he's done a really, really great job. And was, uh, you know, he's he's up there as one of the top ones. So I want to give him a shout out because he was really good in this movie as well. And uh, basically, uh, the rest of the cast is just filled up by you know good acting, no no problems. But there's nobody that's really to write home about as far as like stars that you guys would know at home or maybe would be household names. But go check out all of the cast on IMDb, or else we'll be here all damn day. So with that. 
Let's get to the thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down recommendation. I'm going to start with Ron. Tell him you're spoiler free and why. What do you give The Last Voyage of the Demeter? Uh, I, I give it a thumbs up. It is it is a decent vampire movie, um, or Dracula movie, however you want to label it. Uh, it does get... Um, it is, it is interesting with the fact that you're just on a ship. Like it, there is a lot of uh, suspense for it. I, I think it's if you enjoy this kind, those kind of movies, I think you'll enjoy this one. Diesel. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Ron. Thumbs up. Um, it was a very serviceable vampire movie. There's I don't have anything to massively gush over to really like be enthusiastic about it. But I have also not that many gripes against this movie either. It was a very standard telling of a vampire story. I'm going to make it a trifecta. I will also give it a thumbs up. I will put it out there. If you wanted to see this movie, that's why it's a thumbs up. Because um, there's sometimes where we, we, we go, hey, if you if you really want a movie to see, this is across the board. I'm not, this does not, I mean, there's no indictment, just like you, yeah. Diesel. It's no indictment. I thought the movie was very good. But at the same point, Juncture, if you're not into horror films or you're not into vampire films or, you know, you're not into kind of epic films because it falls into all three of those yeah. categories, you might not want to see this film. But uh, if the, that is your wheelhouse, Thumbs up. It's my wheelhouse, so I enjoyed it, and I would like to pass that along. Well, that is going to do it for the spoiler-free portion of the show. We are going to take a break. When we come back from that break, we'll jump into the spoiler-full review of The Last Voyage of the Demeter. All right, guys. This is Jill Whitlow from Night of the Creeps, and you are listening to the incredible, vivacious... Spoken in my village of an evil that lives in the mountains above. Evil. An evil that appears as a man when it wants to hide its true nature. And that night, he feeds on the blood of the innocent. The elders, they made bargains for the safety of our people. You were given to this man. It is not a man. Then an animal. No, it is not some mindless animal either. Do not make that mistake. We call him Dracula. And you, you believe that he brought you on board? He brought me here to feed. He is here, Mr. Clements. Of the course. thing that wears the skin of a man. That is a clip from The Last Voyage of the Demeter. This week's 3FN Movie Club Review. And uh, without further ado, we are going to get ready to jump right in to the spoiler full review. But we're going to give you one final warning. If you have not seen The Last Voyage of the Demeter and you do not want the movie spoiled, this is your last time to stop the podcast, go see the movie, and when you've watched it, come back and listen to what we've thought about it. However, if you've already seen the movie or if you just don't care about it being spoiled, then... Stay on board because we're entering the spoiler zone right about... Now, and of course, uh, 
you know, we don't go scene for scene through movies, but we will go over the little baseline. I do want to start off because uh, this is one of those things, movies, where I like to start off like this. It did check all the boxes as far as like certain things that we like to talk about, and I think everybody can agree on this. The atmosphere of this movie was very good. Uh, the costuming was very good. Uh, the suspense in this movie was, was yes. really, really good. And the, the score, because you could hear a little bit of in that clip that we played, that was super good as well, and the acting. So across the board, I think when you're checking boxes for like a movie, a good movie, I think that it hit all of the technical. Uh, is uh, Does anybody disagree with the technical things were all hit? No, there's not much wrong with all of those things. Like it hit all those notes that it needed to to start off as a vampire movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to give a shout out to the makeup effects department and the CGI department yeah. because it looked amazing. Uh, Dracula looked great or Nosferatu, whatever you want to call them because they kind of went with the more Nosferatu uh, yeah. spinners. Although I will give them credit. I have never seen a movie tackle it and make him the bat the way they did for most of the movie. Yeah. Like, that was really, really cool. So, throwing it out there, I thought that they did a great creature design. Yes. And they kept, as he fed and got uh, stronger, he also became a l more burly. Uh, physically, he looked more imposing. Like, I thought that was, I thought they did a yeah. great job with the Dracula movie. Yeah. So, I want to get all that out of the way. So, with all those, the VFX, the makeup effects, the acting, the atmosphere, the suspense, all of it checked all the technical boxes. So, this movie technically was a great movie. So, just throwing that out there. So, now let's jump into the, the framework. We're just going to kind of go through. Uh, you know the, bone, the nuts and bolts of the movie and give some likes and then we're going to go over our likes and dislikes as we do so uh, basically this movie I like how it opens up because obviously this is uh, from a chapter uh, the captain's log from Bram Stoker's Dracula so they kind of just tell you that in the beginning there's this little like epilogue this little prologue part where it kind of types out you know like this is, takes place and on the voyage uh, the last voyage of the Demeter from in 1897 and all this is like, fun and they kind of give you the end of the voyage because you see the wrecked Demeter and uh, the one guy is aghast of what he's found on yes. board but he's also found the captain's log and then the the constable starts reading the captain's log and then we kind of transport into the movie so it opens up with there's this they're in Romania they're trying to uh, sail a boat to London for this very wealthy mysterious benefactor if you will and they're told that if you take this voyage they will pay you extra so on top of the normal fee that you would charge for your crew, we're going to pay you extra. And it ends up being, we find out later in the movie, I think it worked out to, I don't know what the captain and co-captain and the co -captain got, but I know that the rest of the crew was getting an extra 75 coin, yeah. per, and which was a lot of money for yeah, them. Yeah, they, they were excited. They were like, yes, let's do this. Yeah, so they were very happy about the, the payout, if you will. But the Romanian crew that loaded, that loaded the boat... Uh, well, brought the cargo. They didn't load the boat. Right. <laughs> they, they weren't a fan at all of... Uh, of staying were they no, no no they they would not stay they translated into saying good luck and they even gave the crew some extra money oh yeah they even they pulled together <laughs> and gave extra money themselves like take care of this <laughs> and that's that should have been the big red flag but they couldn't go to anybody they get, got this ragtag group of uh, sailors together including our main uh, hero if you will or our main uh, protagonist uh, Clemens and uh, Clemens has got an interesting story as we find out throughout the movie he was the first black man to ever graduate from Cambridge Medical School and he was a doctor but nobody because he was black nobody wanted to hire him yeah. and he had gone to Romania originally because somebody had heard about this great doctor who, who came from Cambridge but when he got there we find out later and they saw that he was black then all of a sudden they didn't need a doctor no yeah. more yeah he said and, my, my expertise 
made it there faster than my color did. Yes, and, and I, that was a very, very powerful one. I thought I it was very good, and, and and it was a cool, it was a good message in this film. It wasn't didactic because it fit in the story. They kind of made it fit in the parameters of the story because on board he 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 at first they pass on him. And then, okay, we don't have these extra people, so I guess you're up, kid. Yeah. And he saves the captain's nephew and her grandson. grandson. And um, so the captain's just like, doesn't say, like, you're you're on board. He just looks at his, you know, his, his co-guy there. Um, Vocek? Vocek. Yeah. And uh, he's like, all right, you're, you're up, guy. You're up. Yeah. He's, if, so, you, if I find out you don't know how to run a, any part of the ship, I will throw you overboard yeah. myself. Yeah. So it, it's, it's kind of an interesting opening. And so you have Clemens. And, and we get a good backstory. Like, as they first get on the bow, you see the sailors are all happy, happier than normal, because obviously, the, you know, the money's good. And you have uh, everybody's going around. And, of course, Clemens, uh, Toby takes the Clemens. That's the grandson. And, and they kind of he's showing them the ropes and kind of going through things. And... You don't get a real... His expertise doesn't shine through until a little bit into the movie, about, you know, end of the first act. There's a, a, a disturbance in the in the uh, cargo area of the ship. Uh, they, they were down... He was down there with Toby checking because the livestock was going crazy. So then they go into the cargo area, and he discovers that one of the cargo things had fallen over, and there's just dirt everywhere. But inside the dirt, there's this barely alive girl. And, of course, Clemens, is, is, as a doctor, is not going to just let this girl die. So he brings her up to the, the, the galley area. And they're all kind of like, no, this is bad luck. Just throw her overboard. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. I save lives. So he gives her a blood transfusion. And he's kind of working her back to life. And the captain of the ship goes against his men and just goes, okay, well, you can, you can nurse her back to health. But she's going to be in this area. And uh, also, she can share your food rations. Yeah. So that's the first sign that we've got something going on. There's like the, the suspense is great because there's like this ominous feeling this whole time as well. Uh, after that first opening night on the ship, there's an ominous feeling, yeah. and it really kicks into gear with all the the discovery of Anne. And so now we're moving or Anna, sorry. Now we're moving forward, and now it finally hits the fan. We got our first, you know, the livestock end up all dead. Yep. With bite marks, including the dog, which is everybody's favorite. Huckleberry. <laughs> yep. Huckleberry ends up dead. And and then, of course, the cook. The cook says something, Diesel. What does the cook point out as a fact to Clemens when they're in the galley, late, you know, in the beginning of this movie? He says that you can always hear the rats in the ship. And for the first time ever, there are no rats on the ship. And that is not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. So come to find out, not only... Has Dracula killed, and we don't get to see any of these kills. Well, the dog a little bit. You get to see the shadow. But, like, brave decision, by the way, killing off the dog. I, I actually applaud that, because most people would shy away from doing that. Yes, and, of course, showing the dead yeah. dog, which was visceral, too. So, anyways, Dracula ends up feeding all of, off all the livestock, plus the dog, plus the rats. Yep. It's kind of what we're getting at. Before he, you know, gets up enough power that he's now going to hunt some humans and uh, of course he goes after there's a little scuffle earlier on between clemens and a russian uh sailor and later on that night the russian sailor well before we get to see our first real look at dracula when you have uh clemens and he's on the on the board with uh uh oligarn and they're 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 looking out over like thing and oligarn's like there's something with us I know you saw it. And, of course, Clemens, this whole, for the first half of this movie, is basically like, well, I'm a science man. If I can't explain it, then it's not real. Like, I don't want to hear your superstitions yeah. that this is evil or bad luck that this girl is here. And that's what really gets him into the fight with the, the Russian sailor. And later that night, the Russian sailor ends up being the first one 
that gets uh gets gets eight. But they 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 say that he fell overboard. Yeah, he just he was just too drunk and he fell overboard. Right. And somebody was like, he could have drank all the liquor on the ship, and he still wouldn't have fallen overboard. Uh, like saying, you know, that's the guy because we found his knife. And then somebody accused Clemens of killing him. He's like, yes, I somehow managed to kill him without getting any of the blood that's all over the, the planks on myself. And then I turned myself in because that's just genius. <laughs> and they're all like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, yeah, yeah. So this is also when we find out Anik is now up and around. This is the first time she's been up and about. And she tells them that he is here. And they, they, they're whatever... And we kind of find out the story, what you heard during that clip, where she basically says, hey, listen, in my village, there's this castle that's older than any of us on the hill. And up in that castle, there's this thing. He's a man, he's a man, he's a beast, he's both. But uh, just be clear that he feeds on people. We call him Dracula. And uh, he is on this ship. That means we are going to die. And it's, it's noted that she has not become a vampire, even though he's been feeding on her. She shows the marks, and he's just been feeding on her. But she hasn't become a vampire, and that is because Clemens believes that his blood transfusions have stopped it. So now that we're at that port, we get to one of the crazier scenes because that's where uh, Olgarn is on the, on the, the dock, and he ends up uh, bitten by the vampire. And he definitely, uh, they, they tie him down, they fix him up, but what happens after uh, a little bit of him being tied down and fixed up, Ron? Uh, he starts going after Toby. Like, well, f- well, yeah, he comes back yeah, to life. Yeah, he, he comes back to life. He, we can't really tell if he's a vampire, but he's definitely a minion he's, and a servant of uh, Dracula at this yeah, point. Yeah, like a, in D&D terms, straw zombie. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the white comes over his eyes like yeah. he's the Meg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Diesel, are you just? Are, did you draw the conclusion that maybe just like the Meg, he's just horny? <laughs> if you go into the Anne Rice books, yes. You turn into a vampire, it's all hand jobs and pudding. So, yes, I would agree with that. Okay, so he does go after yeah. Toby. And, of course, prior to this, they're searching the boat because they're looking for whoever's doing this. They yeah. don't necessarily believe no in this creature yeah. or Dracula, but there's something going on, right? So they go searching the boat, and they lock, They tell Toby to stay in this room, and he locks him in the room. The captain does, because we find out it's his grandson. Well, he hears noises, and he goes out to Olgarn, and then Olgarn does chase him into the room. How does Olgarn try to enter the room, <laughs> Diesel? The only way possible, by using your face to try to open a door. Of course. Old school, gigantic wood door. Yes. Not not like, you know, in American Pie 2 where he's trying to use his teeth on the doorknob. No, he just keeps smashing his head in the most visceral way possible into this thick-ass, heavy-ass door. And he actually manages to get his head through. (laughs) So, as all this is happening... They hear they start hearing the noise because there there's a commotion on the yeah. on the deck and they all run down of course because of Toby so Ron well they kind of get Olgarn out of the way and they're trying to access the room what does everybody well what does the main three characters see for the first time in the room with Toby a very old looking man all shoveled up in the corner all naked and just like ducking down and you don't know what it really is at that point in time they have no clue. And so they, they, being Dracula. they start frantically trying to get into the room to save the young boy. They can't get the door open until... Think about it. They all have guns, but it takes for Anna to be like, get out of the way to shoot the, the handle off yeah. to open the door. I thought that that was a little bit ridiculous. I'll give, there, I'll, there's I'll a give few other things that are a little ridiculous in this movie. But. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about those when the likes and dislikes. But uh, So they access the room, but it's too late. Toby has been bitten by the vampire. So 
his grandfather takes him into the room and he's giving him a blood transfusion. And while they're doing this, they have taken Oligarn to the uh, one of the masts of the ship, yeah. <laughs> and he's tied to the mast. And he snaps. You know, it's it's morning time. Sun's sunrise isn't quite yet, but it's getting there. And he's he, well tied there. He says, you know, he he comes snaps out of it long enough to describe like the torture in his head and all this stuff. Uh, Ron, what happens to Oligarn while he's strapped to that mast, though? <laughs> Find out that Sun is the enemy. Like he just burns into flames, bursts into flames, much, much like me. I stand in the sunlight. I I, I turn red and get all hot. <laughs> Dude, those flames were crazy. I, I thought yeah. that was a really cool scene, though. Like the, yeah. the, the, the oh, fire yeah. scene was really really good. Of course, finally Wojak takes Wojak takes a, a pity and just shoots him in the head. Yeah. So he doesn't. He stops screaming. I think it was more for yeah. them. So now they're like, what the. Did we just see? Yeah. Like, if you think about it, this is crazy. Yeah. We just saw some fucking shit, right? Like, what is going on? How is this a thing? Even Clemens has to be like, I mean, I know that I'm a science guy, but <laughs> we definitely saw some shit that yeah. should not be. And they're like, man, maybe Anna's right. So in the meantime, they decide that the captain says, listen, I want you to search everywhere on the ship, not just the holding areas everywhere this ship from fucking top to bottom before before nighttime so everybody goes around they start searching the ship they don't find dracula this time and uh end up going bad and then somebody else gets the killing before finally the next night when everybody's really going crazy because what happens with young toby diesel young toby does not survive the blood transfusions and he passes away he does die we, we get a dead dead child in this movie and the captain, a.k.a. his grandfather, does not handle this well. No, not at all. So what do they do with Toby's body, Ron? They take it up for a burial at sea. They wrap him in linen. Linen, so he's not out in the sun yet. <laughs> so and he's there, and all of a sudden the grandfather looks over. Well, Ada says a prayer. Yeah. They expect the captain to say the prayer, but he, he's... And no, nobody else is really religious, so... And so Anna says a prayer, and then they're getting ready to you know dump him overboard. He's alive. And I saw it move. I saw him move. I saw him move. He's alive. (laughs) So then they rip open the sack, and of course, he's dead. And they're like, he's dead. But just then, the son hits him, comes to life, on fire, grabs a hold of his grandfather. So now his grandfather is burning with him. I thought it was crazy. They get the grandfather away, and they somehow just throw the kid (laughs) overboard. Like, you're done. (laughs) And and then it continues to show the body just floating, dropping in the sea. Burned to shit. Burned to shit, and just his mouth open. Ah, Disappearing into the sea. And, of course, the grandfather now has got what would be like third-degree burns on parts of his body. Which Which he's still alive. Which would have been interesting, because if he was in the water, the sun wasn't hitting him, and he actually came back on the ship, I thought would have been hilarious. Yes. I thought that, I, honestly, I was waiting for that to happen. So now we kind of move on to now everybody's out of fucking sorts. The captain is done. The captain yeah. is mentally checked out. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have Vojak, who's still like, we got duties to do. Let's stick to him. And at the same time, Clemens is like, all right, this is a monster. We have to find where it is. It has to sleep somewhere. Because obviously, if we've seen two people burn up, it can't live in the daylight yeah. neither. So his idea is to go see it and at the same time the cook the cook now decides that uh he's a he's a godly man what is he deciding diesel so at the night time he he's up there helping with the watch and you're just like "Ooh, this is not gonna be good for this one guy and all of a sudden he gets conked in the back of the head because this godly man knows he cannot be on the ship with this evil and steals the uh lifeboat and takes off <laughs> and basically makes the statement that you're all sinners that's why this has come to you before this yeah. so while he's off doing that we have anna and clemens searching 
for Dracula's uh, resting place during the daytime, and they find it. They come across yep. it, including his his cane. Yep they they find they find the cargo that has the the traps, so it looks like it's sealed, but it's 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 a good smuggling device. Yep. They uh, that you can open up from the inside or the outside and get out, and then they find the the wolf cane. So yep, they yep. they found where the beast li- sleeps. So while this is happening, our, our 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 religious guy who's trying to get away does he get away? Run? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> he gets a few hundred meters away. Yeah, for a minute until you start hearing the flapping of wings. Yep, <laughs> this is the first time we actually see the like the really cool bat scene of of, of giant bat Dracula, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, we don't get to see what he does to the guck, no. but we see the aftermath in the boat when the boat knocks against the, the Demeter again. So yeah. now they know where Dracula lives when it's daytime. You know, now there's a bunch of, you know, the only people left now alive, there's, uh, we have Vojak, we have one of the other crew members, we have Clemens, Anna, and then the captain, captain. and now they're kind of like, okay, there's only one, but we're, we're only a day away from England. And that's when the realization comes in, because Anna realizes what Diesel. What is the significance? Because they're like, well, they're only picking off one of us a night, and you know, so he can't be that strong or whatever. So we gotta trap him. What was the realization Anna makes? That he was rationing his food supplies this entire trip, which was a very scary realization. Yeah, because basically he didn't know, even though they said, hey, rush us to get to here, he didn't know how long, because ocean travel's a little difficult, right? Yeah. They could have stopped and ported as well. And so when they didn't port, it's gonna take some days to get to England. So he had to make sure that he could feed himself that journey. So now they are less than a day, actually literally that night they're gonna hit, uh, in the coastline of England, not London, but the coastline of England. So basically, he has no use for any of them anymore. Yeah. So we're like, oh shit, they're yeah. setting up beautifully for the third act to be a slaughter. Yep, and he also knows that you don't leave no witnesses. Yeah. Oh hell nah. No witnesses. He's been he's he's been around long enough. He's been this is not his first rodeo. Yeah. So basically, where we end up is that they come up with a plan that we're gonna trap him on the boat and then sink the boat. And then he doesn't make it to land. And we're going to get into the lifeboat and we're going to go away. And, of course, this is where we find out the captain is hearing the whispers of Dracula, who's basically like, hey, if you get me to land, I'll bring your uh, grandson back. Yep. And Anna has the nice little thing where she's like, he's lying. Yeah. You know he's lying. Like, there's, he has no interest in he's not doing that. Yeah, he, he takes the, the joy out of everything. So even if he does bring your grandchild back, it's not going to be how you expect it to It's going to be fucking Pet cemetery, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I know you don't know what that is, but <laughs> fuck. You know, this is 1897. It ain't happened yet. But trust me, a guy's going to write a book called Pet cemetery. That is what this is going to be. Because that's what he did to me. So we get to this whole final battle, if you will, and uh, which I thought was very interesting. We get the, the classic fog over the boat. They can't see it, of course. Dracula ain't no fool. No. So the trap doesn't work at all, does it, Rod? No, not at all. Actually, I actually enjoyed this fight a lot more because it is very one-sided in Dracula's favor. Oh, yeah. So we get this whole scene. He kills the one crew guy. Then he he gets rid of Vojak. Doesn't kill him right away. But before he can, Vojak uh, says, fuck this, and takes an axe to the boat. So he's now uh, taking on water. Yep. And and then Dracula gets his ass. Uh, The captain... Dracula kind of gets him at the beginning and then just like ties him up to the, <laughs> to the fucking steering wheel. That yeah, was yeah, weird. The, the ship's wheel. And then Clemens unties the captain and then the captain dies. But I always I just thought that was weird, but I guess it was for the imagery yeah, because okay. that because he waves the cross at, at yeah, Dracula. He, he was Dracula was just cross. like Dracula's just like, "Ah, fuck you. That's how you want to look? Okay. Yeah. I can make you look like that because he did basically and renounces him." Yeah. Yes, and Dracula's like that doesn't work here. Yeah, that's, not, that's not what we do here. That's not that's not anything I have to worry about. 
So that's where Clemens has. By the way, great dialogue here. Clemens goes into this like, you know, I, I'm not scared of you. I show yourself, and you know, you, 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 you're just like a man. You're just like me. You you have to feed. That means you bleed. That means you can die, and you're scared of dying like everything else. And Dracula says, "All right, I'm come out, <laughs> I'm come out, fox with you," and knocks him to the ground. And uh, the the great scene is where he's got fucking Clemens by the throat. Clemens is just like, "I'm not afraid of you." And fucking Dracula gives him a little nick on the neck with a nail or with his nail, and he just goes, "You'll learn to fear me." Like in this weird fucking great yeah. voice, I was just like, because Dracula doesn't talk much in this movie no, at all. There's I think that was couple, actually the first thing. No, no, because earlier in the movie, remember the one uh, when Olgarn is running from him, he says, uh, "No God." And then he repeats, oh, and then yeah, he, re he repeated, right. no, he repeated, no God to him. Yeah, that's right. And then that's I think the captain, that. I think that he says something to the captain too. Yeah. Like it's brief. It, it, you, it, and you can hear him whisper, like the, it's, the you don't can't make. There's it only out. like three or four lines. Yeah. This guy, but says. he doesn't have a lot. This is one of the only times you see him talk, yeah. though. Because the other ones, there's like the whispering, or his back is kind of turned. This one, you actually uh, you see him when he does the uh, uh, oh God to them. But like this is the only time he's actually responding and not copying a voice. He's just like, you'll learn to fear me. And it was just like, holy shit, this was really cool. And of course, Anna saves the day by fucking chopping down a mast and pinning Dracula to the to ship. So they and they just jump in the ocean. Yeah. They're like, we'll take our chances. We'll climb on this mast to float away. And of course, that's where we get where we started the movie. The ship crashes onto the landing, and they're investigating it. And it shows the next morning. And Diesel, what is the kind of surprise ending to this movie of the next morning? In a callback to another great vampire movie, Thirty Days of Night, we find out that. Anna has now succumbed to the vampirism and is knows that she is turning, but she's keeping it together and she she's making the decision that, you know, this is the first time in my life that I've had a choice. It's not been taken from me. This is how I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna face the sun and I'm gonna burn up. And it's a really yeah. it's a visual yeah. visually stunning but also disturbing because yeah. it's her lit on fire. And we you know we get to the land. Finally, it's like I don't, they don't say how many days later, but you can tell it's not the same day. And Clemens is now you know you know cleaned himself up. He's at a pub and, and yeah. asking about where this Carfax is. A uh, Carfax is because he found the ledger, so he knows where this coffin's going. So I know where he sleeps. I can hunt him. Yes. And so while he's in the bar, you know, we get this dialogue about him saying about not fearing things and he needs to like, you know, whatever. And I got to keep my eye on the beauty. He's drawing Anna. Yeah. And then he hears what diesel? The this I don't remember the exact knock, but it was the knock that they use on the Demeter to signify that they were in trouble because the knocking would go with travel mm -hmm. through the entire boat. So yes. it was a. Yes. And you just hear the hear it. And then you, they show you the cane. Tapping the ground, which which is the cane we saw and the coffin, <laughs> and when they kind of go up, you get to see that in clothes. This is Dracula in clothes. I'm gonna get to when we talk about likes and dislikes. Let me get to that a little more. And all of a sudden, like he kind of brushes behind Clemens and like touches where the, he had yeah. cut him, and before just his you know astrally getting out yeah. and Clemens not scared gets up and follows him out and that's where he gives the line which if they ever did a sequel I don't know what you would do technically because obviously you know this is part of Bram Stoker's Dracula but I would kind of like to see if they do a spin-off of this in a little ways because I right. love the last line where he's like 
it is my job to hunt. I, I will hunt you, and when I find you, I will rid you, rid the world of you. And it was just kind of like this whole like, because like I hate the fact that they ended the movie like that. Because I'm like, I want to see a sequel yeah. now where he's hunting fucking Dracula because he's a badass, and I like Clemens in this yeah, movie. So I, like, it, it was almost like a Van Helsing moment, yeah, if you yeah. will. So I was kind of sad with, with that ending because it was actually like this really good dialogue about how he's like, I will hunt you to the end of the earth, and when I find you, I will kill you to rid humanity of yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see part two of this because of that. And even even if they kept it to the point of uh, ending where he loses, it would I still think it'd be a oh, epic yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, this, this would yeah. be the Empire Strikes Back because yeah, yeah. and I would love spoiler to see alert, Clemens don't win. Yeah, <laughs> He's I, not but the I would to take love to see that. Yeah, yeah so I like the liberties they took with yeah. the original stuff because it ended up paying off very well in this movie. Uh, the source material was followed for a lot of it, but they had some liberties, and those liberties actually paid off, yeah. in my opinion. That's one of the things I'll take away from there. So now that we've done the outline of the movie, let's jump into likes and dislikes. And uh, I'll start it with that because I already said it. Like, I did like the fact that, you know, if you've ever read Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I've done, it's been some years since I've read it, but I have read it, and I do remember this chapter of the book. They there is some things that they kept the same. They kept the basic skeleton of it, but they took some liberties. But you know, sometimes you and that's fine. I'm not one of those people yeah. that says you have to do it by the book. First of all, you're not going to get a two hour movie out of a know, chapter out of a chapter in a book. Uh, so you have to take some liberties. But I think like what makes a movie not make you care about taking the liberties is when they the liberties they take are good. And in this movie, all the liberties they took with the Clemens character, all the liberties how they ended the movie, like we just said, with the great dialogue and stuff that goes on. Those things make me go, fuck yeah, I love the liberties they took, and that's why I'm like, hey, I understand it's not in the book, but let's get a sequel to this. And yes, you can have Clemens lose because obviously it has to tie back in at some point with Bram Stoker's Dracula. However, I would be interested to see this little side piece with just all liberties. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Even, even if they stay true to it, like that could be what leads other people to do it and finish it. Like he's like the stepping stone. Yeah. Or or Clemens, and even if he dies, whatever, he could find Van Helsing first. Yeah. Because Van Helsing does show up in Bram Stoker's yeah. Dracula because he comes to help at one point in Juncture when uh, shit hits the fan in London. So obviously there's Van Helsing around. So maybe it's Clemens who gets Van Helsing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he and his search for Dracula, he finds Van Helsing and brings him into the mix. And then you're like, oh, this is great because yeah. now we're taking liberties, but we're moving back into Bram yes. Stoker's Dracula. And I just really dug that. I'm going to go to you uh, next, Diesel. What are some likes from uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter? Uh, I, as someone who doesn't like horror, I do love all the suspense in this movie. They didn't really rely on jump scares, which I really enjoyed. I think it was very well done. Um, and then everything that we said pre, you know, going over the nuts and bolts of all the technical stuff was done fantastically. The acting, how it looked, the score, everything was done very well. I want to add to that with the suspense. I like I like how you said there wasn't a lot of jump scares. I don't even think there was a yeah. jump scare. Uh, there was a couple. But, there, well, you could consider but, them, but I don't think they were relying I heavily no, on no, it. No, they weren't. They weren't. But they, and I don't think. I mean, it depends how you label jump scares. Right. But, I think there's jump scares from the fact that they built the suspense so well that yes. you were so in the movie and engrossed yeah. in it, and you're like, oh man, something bad's <laughs> gonna happen, and then if they build it, build it, and then yeah. it happens. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think you're right. It wasn't like a jump scare, per se, like The Nun. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they're like, oh, this is purposely done. It was kind of, hey, we're going to build this suspense and tension so much that eventually when something happens, it might catch you. But that's the better way to go about it because it's not cheap. You're actually engrossed in the movie. So I, I like that you brought that up. I love that they also didn't use Dracula as the main component. We barely saw Dracula. Yeah. We saw the, the hints of him early on, like kind of crawling around, knowing that he's weaker. But he doesn't come out as, like, at least with, you know, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman. Like, 
there's charisma to that. Like you, you enjoy that Dracula. This one is a monster, and oh, yeah. they don't try to like humanize the monster. They go purposely dehumanize this. Yeah, yeah they go more Nosferatu yeah. as anything. Else. I think that was really well done. Yeah, I agreed. Ron, want to add some likes? Like the the concept of being on the Demeter, like they made that feel like you, claustrophobic, you're claustrophobic as fuck. Like I'm watching, I'm going, man, that, that's like every time they go down underneath, like it's like it's tight, and like you all you you see all the walls. Like even in the rooms, like you, they they t- put that camera in the good yeah. spots there. You feel it being enclosed, and then when as Dracula gets stronger, it, I think they shrink a lot of it. Oh, like, yeah. They give you that like it, it's in coming in like a lot of like or they make them go to the you know to parts of the boat that just make them go. This is a small like and yeah. it shrinks, 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 and it's just like damn, this is so good. Yeah, they didn't trap a lot. They, yeah. I think it's very good. They give you that ominous feel the whole time. Yeah, th- like I said, this movie has a lot of great components. Like the story-wise, it's very good. It's 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 timely. Uh, let's go into some dislikes. I'm going to open up with the dislikes because I, I got two, and then I want to pass it around. But uh, one of my dislikes, and it's not even actually the time, because I, I I didn't mind this movie's two hour, like just shy of two hours, because I thought it was good. There was a couple things that I think that they could have cut from the movie though, just because or added. Like I would have liked to see more of the relationship with Toby and his grandfather over some of like the worthless scenes that we got with like the cook. I mean, the cook's really only charming scenes in this movie where you need him was the rat scene to, to point yeah. out that there's no rats because we saw rats earlier, and then like the scene where he kind of loses it and tells everybody they're fucking evil and their sins yeah. is what killing them and, and outside of that I didn't need to, the couple other scenes he's in you could have just like given me more of the relationships or I, I would have liked to see more of like the the I, I thought that this movie was one of those uh, great parts where David Dashmalshin was like fucking a, a different character we had talked yeah. about this before this is a like where usually you, you know he's the genius guy or like but he's really shy and humble and, 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 and talks very low this he was actually like I want—I don't want to say a badass, but he's assertive. He's yeah. definitely the co-captain. He's yeah, the guy yeah. who's going to be named the captain of the Demeter, and you could see that. And you know, even the captain tells him, "You would have made a good captain." Because yeah. as they're coming to the realization, they're probably not going to make it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And the slow plot of him—you know—learning that's the captain's last voyage. The captain's retiring after this, and he wants him to take over. It was really cool. And then when you know their plan is to sink the Demeter, and he's like, "No, it's got to be me." Yes, yeah, that yeah. was a cool little subplot yeah. that they did yeah. with that. I like that, and like I said, the, my thing is that we could have seen more of him. Yeah, and I, you know, because there's just a, there's a couple things I would have taken out, not not too much, just because a lot of it was building suspense. Like I would have never taken out any of that stuff, but there is a couple of scenes in the movie where like I would have kept it the same length. You could even add it a few minutes, but if I would have just gotten some more of the relationships with certain people, I think we got. I mean, I love the Clemens character. I, I I wouldn't say I didn't want to see more of him, but I think we got enough of that character. I think we got enough of Anna. I'm not saying that I would if you gave me more I'm not going to complain I just would have liked to see a couple other relationships because there's a couple other really good characters on that ship like I feel like we would have felt more for Olegren if we would have had more of his backstory because the little bit we got we cared about him but could you imagine if you got one extra scene with him before the turn you might have felt a whole other level about him because we find out right before that he does have a daughter about the same age as Anna and that's why he's like well because the one guy's like we should have just thrown her to the you know that's what the evil is and he's like well I I hear you but you know then I think about my daughter who's about the same age and I wouldn't want that to happen to her and you're like I'm like I want more of a little more of that before he gets you know because you you know it's against his it proves more it's against his will yeah Yeah, you know what I mean and that would make that scene him going after Toby so much stronger yes because like you said it's against his will and it's like it's it's you know he's a good person and you can tell that 
already, but it, I don't know if they drove it home enough. I'm just saying there's a few things I would have changed around. That's normal. I wouldn't have cut time, though. I, like I said, I might even give it an extra 15 minutes in I, this case. I think you could have gotten away with it if you build a little more on the characters. Oh, absolutely. And then my big my, my big complaint, my only big complaint, and it's, I, it's not that it ruins the movie, but the last scene we get with Dracula in the bar. Like, listen, man, ain't nobody gonna fall for the fact that fucking dude comes in looking like Nosferatu. Like, this big, like, like from what we see on the boat, the dude is at least six foot five, and this is in 1897. And, like, he's got the whole, like, Nosferatu Salem's lot, like, teeth, and, and he's he doesn't look like a human being, and no matter how you cut it, like, he looks human like he's a humanoid, but he doesn't look like a human. His ears are all pointy and shit. And when they show him dressed up in his top hat and stuff in the bar, he looks like Nosferatu in a top hat and a cape yeah. coat yeah. with a cane and like he's just wearing clothes and it's just like I would have liked that opportunity because we know that, that, that Dracula is a shapeshifter I would have just liked that opportunity for him to maybe not go full Gary Oldman you could have had him not look handsome you could have had him look deformed although I think that you have to have a certain amount of suaveness to your Dracula to make the story work but I would have just liked to see him look more of like a human because like remember when Anna says oh you know, because there's a part of the story where Anna's like, he does take the form of a human when he has to. And she said that I, I remember his smile and his laugh. And like, you're like, but when he's the creature, like the Nosferatu, he doesn't really, we hear him talk a few times, but he, and he does smile in the bar scene, yeah. which is like, it just looks weird. Yeah. But like, he, he doesn't like his communication sounds like an animal because he mostly screeches. So you're like, why the fuck wouldn't you just have him like take the shape of a human being and then lock eyes with Clemens and you, Clemens can tell by the the, the eyes being yeah. yellow or the, and or the, the cane, cane. Yeah, well, the cane. In, in both because you know you cane and nails and then he does he goes out the door and he follows him and like I said when he's walking away he looks like a human when he sees him walking away he looks human because he's in human clothes. But, like, you can't tell me that the, when he walked in that bar, you can't tell me that everybody wasn't like, what the fuck is wrong with that thing? <laughs> like, it's 1897. You come in there looking like Nosferatu, six foot five. You're drawing attention. Like, I think that that would have been a good time to just show him as, as a human because then it could make it so he melds in. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I don't know if you guys agree. But, Ryan, we'll start with you. What are your dislikes about uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter? That it took way too long to realize that he was hunting at night. Oh yeah! Like it took him way too long to realize everything was happening at night. Like there was no recollection of like, oh, it took ha you know ha half of them are dead. So then he's like, oh, we need two man crews on watch now. <laughs> like he like what? Like it makes no sense on the on why it took like uh, Clemens to be like, oh, these we also nighttime tight ship and it's dark. Why don't you just add more lanterns? Yeah. Or light more shit on fire yeah. to like make it more bright so you can see the shadows. Yeah. yeah. Like like that, that was weird to me. Like yeah. they, it, once they figure it out, they don't really do anything to prevent themselves no. from getting hunted. And then, except for to set up this trap where they sit on top of the crow's nest. Crow's nest. But then of course Dracula brings in fog because I, I love I love though when they're like he can fly <laughs> he can. Which, to, to be fair they didn't know this at yeah, this point true that and it's like we can't see anything and they're still trying to shoot like go around but like Anna being the one that like is good with a gun compared to the other two everybody else it's like okay yeah, but, I mean, Hunting Village, I get it. She might have had some training with Hunting Village. But also, Village, she's, but. The, she's the only one that thinks about shooting the door handle yeah. off when they're yeah. trying to get in to, to save Toby. See, all that made no sense to me because we knew that the elders had given her to him. I don't think she would have all those experiences because we saw that she was marked up pretty good. So she's been 
a blood bank essentially for quite some time at this point. I agree with so that. So I don't think she's going to be well versed in guns in multiple languages. She is just just a goddamn sea ration at that point. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It was kind of weird that like she could speak well, obviously Romanian. I understand because yeah. that was her, but she can speak perfectly good English yeah. and even some Russian because yeah. she does communicate with the one Russian guy yeah. before he dies. Like it's, unless it's, it's weird. To, unless it's to show that Dracula was tra- tra- teaching her or something. I don't know. That, sorry, so, he, sorry. She doesn't speak Romanian. She speaks Hungarian. Because yeah. remember, that's what he says yeah. to when the thing. Even though she's from in, in Romania, she speaks Hungarian. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. Was just, uh, that part was weird to me. I'm once again not enough for me to crucify, no, but no. it was still it was weird. Yeah, yeah. that just seemed a little off to me. Got any more dislikes, Ron? No, I think that's about it for me. Diesel, throw them down. All right, so I'm going to be in a little bit of disagreement with you guys. I thought it dragged on a little bit. But that's just because the set was the Demeter. I think when Anna was telling Clemens the history of Dracula, according to her, I think they should have done like a flashback just to give a, something to spice it up just so we're not on the boat for True. an hour, 37 minutes of this two-hour movie. Yeah, that falls in what I was saying. We could have done some extra scenes yeah. outside of it. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just something to spice it up like just to get a different visual effect for a little while so when we were getting the backstory. Or also you could have done the thing where you cut into... Uh, the wreckage, because the guy's reading. When we're, yeah. we're we're basically going with the constable as he reads, yeah. so like you could have gone back there and maybe done a couple of little scenes right before they happen, like if yeah. they discover like whatever. And then, yeah, I, I dug that. Yeah, yeah, because it just got a little too much on the boat. Like I thought the boat stuff was great, but there was just when you do most of your movie as that as the setting, it kind of just kind of drags Actually, out for me. It, it's a plus and a minus. I can agree with yeah. you there because the minus of you get kind of tired of it, but at the same point juncture, that's what belt the suspense because yeah. those tight quarters and stuff really give you that yeah, that, that feeling. You know what I mean? Like the the other thing was the fact of the the first uh, officer or whatever on on the boat, like the bodies. You know, like what did he really see when he got on the boat? He's just like oh, the things I saw made me this that, and it's like, well, they didn't find the bodies. Half of them got thrown over. The other half got. You know, burned up. I was gonna say the only the only one that they would have really been able to see was the, the dude captain? that was hanging from the mast. The mast and the captain. Yeah. yeah. Well, the captain wasn't even that bad off technically. Yeah. The so, guy in the mast was kind of fucked up. I'll yeah. give him that. Yeah, but that so that's be it. So what did you really see? Because everybody else was pretty much thrown off the and all the boat. livestock were thrown off. off the boat. So probably all the bloodstained boards. I mean, even <laughs> that, that too. But, but, the, but the, 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 the captain's door with fucking blood going through the, all the, the the splintered wood because. They, they were pretty gory with showing his face well, pushing through. You know what that. it was? The petty officer was a bitch. <laughs> let's, just call it, let's just call it what it was. The petty <laughs> it officer was, it, was a it, bitch. It was his first night call. He just got on the thing. Because if you like, think about it, he all, goes, he remember he goes blood. to the constable. Like, the, the, the funny part about that is we might be right that they were just trying to portray him as a bitch. Because he goes to the constable, I'm not going back on there. And the constable's like, get your ass up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so as they go and cut to the movie portion in that beginning portion, yeah. remember he gets up and follows the fucking constable after the, he says, I'm not going back yeah. in there. Constable's like, nah, none of that today, bitch. Get up. Yeah. Let's go. And, so but, he was able, he was. but he was able to walk through the whole ship to get to the captain's well, log. Well, th- that and two, and he had already started reading the captain's log, and that might have been what set him off, was reading what happened. Yeah, because the captain's log was, it could be that's how we, yeah. 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 So, uh, any more dislikes, Diesel? That's pretty much it. My only real dislike was just the, the setting got a little too much for the length of this movie, which made it feel longer for me. I think just like a flashback scene of him like making the deal with the elders or something like that would have... like just giving me that something just to get me through that. True. Right, right on. I can hear you there. Well, now that we have broken down the full spoiler review of The Last Voyage of the Demeter, it's time before we give our scores to find out what the scores from around the internet are and you know like how we like to do that one. It's time to play the game. 
Time to play the game! <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game, and the game is played simple. We're going to take scores from around the internet, and these two gentlemen are going to try to guess the scores. And whoever comes closest without going over, better known as Price is Right rules, gets the point. First of three points, gets the win. And of course, the final question, which is Google users. Uh, it's going to be the closest to the number. We throw out the Price is Right rule because we don't do ties. And sometimes, if there's a uh, little mistakes, we also uh, make sure that that's worth two points because we're going to get the score. Diesel, last week, regained the throne after being champ after getting downed, and uh, Ron had a nice little two-week run. Are we going to see a new champion, or will Diesel retain? We'll find out momentarily. Gentlemen, are you ready to play the game? Yes. All right, Ron, you're the challenger. You go first. IMDB out of 10 using points. What did they give the last voyage of the Demeter? Mm, six points. Three. Diesel. 6.4. It's a passing grade. It I, is a passing grade. I just want to point out Diesel's out for blood. And it <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to... 6.5 out of 10. Oh, damn it. Diesel gets damn a point. It, damn it. I was hoping you'd give me a little wiggle room. Diesel. You're up next. You go first. Metacritic. Remember, this is critics only score. Out of 100%, what did they give the last voyage of the Demeter? 61. Ronald. 62. All right, so you're going to try to cut him off in the same way, but guess what? Didn't work out. 52%. Okay, 52%. All right, so we're definitely going to have a two-point final question unless somebody gets the next, unless Diesel gets the next two questions right. Which he will. D, uh, Ron, Ron Tomatoes, critic score. Remember, this is the critic score from Ron Tomatoes. Out of 100%, what did they give? The last voyage of the Demeter. I'm sick of 162. 62 for Ron. Diesel. One dollar. One percentage point. He is hedging his bets <laughs> That's here. Fine. So if it's, uh, if, it's, it if it's anything above a 62, Ron gets a point. If it is anything below, Diesel will get the point. And Diesel gets the point. 50%. Okay. 50%. Okay. okay. Next up is the Rotten Tomatoes fan score. Diesel, you're the champion. You go first here. Out of 100%, what did they give the last voyage of the Demeter? 66. Ronald. Uh, damn it. <laughs> 67 or 1? <laughs> I'll have to go 1. I, I, it, play the math. I have to play the math one? on this one, yeah. So, of course, once again, if it it's, is, you said 66? Yep. If it's 66 or higher, Diesel wins. It's, it if, it's, if it's lower than 66, then Ron will block and to go to the final question and... Your winner and still champion, Diesel. And uh, the score was 71%. Okay, we were so we're all right there. Yeah. Like yeah. they were all pretty close. Here we go. Google users though. We'll do it for funsies. And my mind you, Diesel's already won. But Ron, what do you think they uh, the Google users gave Last Voyage of the Demeter? Ninety two. Diesel. Not enough people saw it. Eighty two. That, that's why I think that's why I think it's high. Eighty two, ninety two. Ron, you were closer, it was ninety one. You were only oh. I told you. <laughs> By the way, that's the highest of the scores. I, I, I found it interesting that the fan scores, even because seventy one with not a lot of people seeing it, seventy one percent is, is respectable. Yeah. Yeah. IMDB at five point six without that many people seeing it or six point five, sorry, I said five point six. I'm dyslexic. Six point five out of ten on IMDB and the seventy one percent on the Rotten Tomatoes fans show that there's a good number of people who have seen it who do like it. Yeah. Yeah. Critic score is real low, and I kind of found that weird because I felt like this is kind of like a, one of those movies that critics would like. I mean, it checked all the technical boxes. And, and the acting is amazing in it. Like, like right. 
Like I said, it was just weird to me because it checked all the, the boxes that's what, that usually that's what threw me critics off. So interesting, interesting. But now that we've gotten the scores from around the internet, it is finally time for us to give our scores for The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Of course, first up, we're going to give our nerd score, followed by my critic score. And the nerd score is simple. It is a recommendation score where uh, we mix our critic score with an entertainment score to give you a recommendation score for whether you should see this movie or not. The uh, Basically, uh, if it's more entertaining, and even if the movie was bad, it might get a higher score because we go by entertainment as well. So it makes up, and that does work both ways. So maybe it was super uh, technically good, but eh, it wasn't as entertaining, so it lowers the score a little bit on the nerd scale. So the nerd score is on the nerd scale. Nerd scale has five parts and only five parts. First, none is a one. That is no. That is, it's a terrible film, and you should never see it. A two is, you've been warned. That means it's not quite terrible, but it ain't good. So you've been warned not to see it. A three is, ah, it's good. These are average of good films. These are movies you don't need to run out to go see in the theater necessarily. You can wait until they're on a streaming service. You're not going to regret seeing them, but it might not make it into your rotation. It might not make it into something you want to buy. You might only watch it just one time and one and done. Or if you ever see it twice, it might be like a long time in between viewings. A four is just take my money. That means that if it's in the theater, run out and see it. Spend your money on it. Add it to your collection. You're probably going to watch these movies uh, multiple times. They're the very good to great films. These are the ones that are, are, are movies that you're going to enjoy time and time again. And last but not least is the rarefied air known as certified nerd in the five spot. And these are for the legendary films. Movies like Jaws, Jurassic Park, and so many others. These are the movies that you're going to add. You're going to go see them when they re-release them in theaters and everything else because they are the creme de la creme. Now that that has been explained, we'll start with Ronald. What is your nerd score for Last Voyage of Demeter and why? All right, this is going to be a three for me. It's good. It's good. It's good. I did enjoy this movie all the way through. I had a great time with this movie. I enjoyed the scenes or like the set and where, you know, the, the claustrophobicness of the boat and all that stuff. And I didn't mind the runtime of two hours. But it's one of those vampire movies where I think we needed a little bit more of Dracula. And it, it like you said, it's a small chapter in the book, so you're not going to get a great story. The fact that they end it with something that makes you want more is a plus. But you watch it once, you probably don't need to watch it again. Mm -hmm. Diesel, your nerd score and why? For me, this is the epitome of a solid three. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> With the vampire genre, I, I need a little bit more. I need something unique, a unique twist on it, something to give it up a few points, like a point higher or so. This one, it checks all the boxes, but it kind of did it without heart, honestly. It was like, well, they, they did a great job on it, but there was no heart to this movie. And I think that was the, the one problem for me. Um, overall, though, it was a fine story. I enjoyed going to see it. I don't think I'll ever watch it again, though, because I know the story now. Well, I'll tell you what. For my score, I'm going to just give it up front and give my reasons. I'm uh, going to make this a trifecta. I gave it a three also. It's good. It's good. It's good. And I'm going to agree with both of you in a way. As, uh, and I know that I talked about this with Diesel uh, the, before the podcast. And to me... There's such a big market in the in the in the vampire genre, and we've seen real bad ones, and we've seen real good ones, and so this movie for me falls in the middle because 
although it was technically good, I loved the acting. I did like the story a lot. I like where they could go with it if they chose to do something extra because the liberties they took were so good here. I would I would definitely pay. And let's be honest, if there was a sequel to come out to this, I would probably watch this movie again. And then, depending upon how good or bad the sequel was, it might raise my stock just slightly here. I don't think it would ever be above a four, but it's going to need help from another movie. I know that uh, me and Diesel famously said that about Dune. Yeah. Dune Part 1, we both gave it a four, and we both were kind of like, well, if Dune Part 2 is a a high four or five doing part one's going to go up and i think that that's a, a good case here because when i'm looking at this movie to get to that next level for me it's like you have to give me something different and extra in that genre you know like the lost boys probably has one of the best uh twist endings for a vampire movie and they didn't hit that ending. you know what i mean uh if you're gonna go 30 days of night it's the most brutal vicious vampire movie and there are some good vicious scenes in this movie and some good gore in this movie but it didn't push the envelope there you know like that movie did when you're looking at like the one of the greatest vampire movies in most people's opinion interview with a vampire you know that movie has this classic story that weaves a few different generations into a story to tell this you know wonderful story i know i'm i'm i love the movie but i'm i'm not as high on it as some people but i'm still high on it so it's still you know something that's genre defining if you will and of course in my opinion the greatest vampire slash dracula movie of all time would be the bram stoker's dracula uh, Gary Oldman's amazing in that movie. Yes, they adapted it from the book. They did take liberties as well, and but it gave us this beautiful epic story. And this story, and, and I believe this movie is kind of a mix between that and Thirty Days of Night. You get a lot of the suspense and the horror and some gore that you get in Thirty Days of Night, and you get this epic tale like you do with Bram Stoker's Dracula. The problem is, is that they don't push the envelope further. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that they should have. Like even with that ending, as much as I love it, that ending is kind of pointless if there's no sequel right True. whereas you could have done something where either dracula killed him or he killed dracula at the end which we know dracula's not going to die so it would be clemens yeah. dying but he's you know he tries i i think that that would have been you know i love how it ended so don't get me wrong yeah. but without another movie there's no reason for me yeah. to watch this again because i'm just going to be reminded of the disappointment that this has a fucking amazing ending that is going nowhere yeah. you know what i mean does that make sense yeah so that's why i said it could go up a little bit if there was a sequel uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with a three on this. But with my critic score, my critic score would have probably put it in the four zone because I'm giving it a seven out of ten. Like I said, it's going to get a lot of points because it technically chopped off all the boxes that you're yes. going to get for a movie. The story was good. Uh, you know, there was you know there was some plot holes and some plot armor, but not overbearing. Yeah, yeah. I thought that they did a good job. A lot of the stuff they did take care of right in the plot. There was a couple ones that we yeah. pointed out that they didn't. You know. Uh, Pretty much the biggest dislikes for us was, you know, either, you know, we thought that they should have done different scenes and split it up a little differently, you know, because like in Diesel's point, it did drag the movie a little bit. For me and Ron, we're like, the movie was fine under the length it was, but I would have liked to see a couple yeah. other things instead of what we did see in this instance. And my Dracula ending and stuff like, like, like him not looking like different and somehow, oh man, nobody noticed that this six foot five-ish fucking or, Nosferatu walked into the bar. Or Anna turning sooner. Just because you actually care for the character more mm-hmm. than you did, uh, what's his face? I mean, that would have been that would have been a crazy scene if her and Dracula just get into it like vampire style. Like, yeah. I know it's been done before, yeah, but. but like that or uh, Toby coming back, just climbing over the ship and killing his grandfather, I think would have been put this to a little higher. I agree with you. There's like some things they could have done, but my point still stands that they checked enough boxes. This yeah. I think a seven out of ten is a great score for this movie because it was a. I thought it was a good movie and it was really well executed. 
it just is not hitting up the nerd scale enough for me yeah. because there's just they didn't take the chances I think that they should have taken. A little more chances in this movie yeah. would have been better. Because like I said, the story yeah. was there. I love the liberties that they took with the story. And that ending, that ending is like, is like a, as I said it was a, a plus, because it is, but it's also a big minus yeah. because I'm not going to watch this movie again because I think if I watch this movie again, I'd get to the ending and go, it, like if I watched it five years from now and there's no sequel, I'd be like, fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah, this is I'm the greatest do. sequel that never happened. Yeah. Like somebody should just make a sequel just because. And yeah. I mean, yeah. I know it's not making enough money for, to get us there. Uh, I, but. I think, think people need to see this movie because the acting, is, it's, it's a class of acting. Like they all do their thing. Yeah, but with that, and unfortunately, this is kind of going to shoot my, uh, my theory about a sequel in the foot. You could just wait to this on streaming. I mean, if yeah. you like going, if you like going to the theater like we do, yeah, go to the theaters. Yeah, because no, it's, it's cool on a big yeah. screen. Don't get me wrong, but like, if you're just one of those people who only goes to the movies for like the big movies that you like, eh, it's probably not going to be. Oh, I agree. You could just wait till it's on one of the streamers. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. But it kind of shoots in the foot my sequel. So uh, go see this movie so I get the damn sequel, okay? <laughs> How about that? Maybe that's what I should put in the beginning of this episode. Go f see this fucking movie for my personal gain, okay? <laughs> Not because I'm getting paid, but because I want a sequel where we get badass Clemens oh, fighting so fucking Dracula, man. Maybe so, you, you, an hour and a half with him just fighting Dracula. Yes, and maybe even even if because you, well, you can drag in Van Helsing just to make it so the stories adjust. Yeah. So when he kills Clemens, that's what Van Helsing is on. Van Helsing's like, I'm gonna kill him at four Clemens, four Clemens. Yeah. Or even just be like, shit, my my doctor's degree, my medical degree, it got me nowhere. He changes his name to Van Helsing. Don't care if that's taking a uh, huge liberty. Dude, he uh, turns into Van Helsing. Dude. I'm in. High <laughs> fives for that. High fives for that. Sold. Sold. I'm sold on that one. I I, I, oh, I, I think, would watch that. I movie. think we need to make make the sequel. <laughs> also, it would kind of help out. It would kind of help out with this problem because then, yeah. like, when you hear Van Helsing, you know, until they see him, you know, they're not gonna. Then the racism won't kick in. Well, and, and then too, like. He was on the logs, and there were no survivors. So he's a dead man, technically, in the eyes of oh, everybody. Oh, yeah, sure. I like that. Here's here's the thing, though. I did like that story. Uh, like, I, I thought the message in there about the, the, the racism message in there was really good because it wasn't didactic. But it, it still did play a part because it's like he's, like, looking at the person and, like, he's like, I can't do that because, like, you know, Vojak is kind of, like, just being stubborn. He's like, listen, man, I've never given up because if anybody should give up, it should be me because I look at all I've done and all I've wasted my time on and nobody will give me a fucking shot because of my color of my skin. This is bullshit. And I, I just like that yeah, message. I, I, I did love the where he was just like, I have to make this make sense because I have to make my world make sense because yeah. all the stuff I've gone through does not make sense and I have to make it make sense. And that was a really cool scene. Yeah, so I, I thought that was I thought that on top of all of it, they put a message in there and it wasn't overbearing yeah. and it didn't take away from the movie at all, no. but yet the message was still cool. So yeah. I, I, I thought that there's a lot of win for this fucking movie. I would like to see a sequel, but I don't think we're going to get it because of the box office returns. <laughs> However, if you would like to talk to us about The Last Voyage of the Demeter and you don't want to spoil it, uh, Diesel, what is the, uh, the, the email address? Three fat nerds pod at gmail.com. Very good. Or if you would like to talk to us non spoiler and kind of, you know, don't want to ruin it for anybody's experience, you want to talk to you on the socials, go to 3fnpodcast.com. That's where all our social media's uh, addresses are. On top of that, you can check out the T Public link, the Patreon link, the Friends of the Show link, the music directory, sponsorship, and more. Your one stop shop for everything that is 3FN is 3fnpodcast.com. And with that, Ronald, I do believe you have business to attend to. Three out of ten stars. Awful rendition of a fabulous book. 
Many people have read all or at least the first of the Harry Potter series. Although the books seem more aimed at children, many adults also find them fascinating. As I will attest, the books are very interesting and I do enjoy indulging in them. However, when the movie came out for the first book, I was already skeptical. I mean, how can a movie be made out of such a complex plot with such mentally stimulating ideas? The first problem with the movie is the acting. I know that the actors are only kids, but there still are child actors that can be do good jobs. These children actors were absolutely terrible. Ron was the best character, and he was only mediocre. I personally would rather watch a movie with a bad plot with great actors than a great plot with terrible actors. I can't stress enough how bland all the acting was. It was all mediocre. The second problem is the lack of the following of the storyline. Although things I hate is when a movie is made from a book which doesn't follow the storyline. All in all, the only reason I gave this movie a 3 is because of the great story which first came to life in the form of the books. 3 out of 10 stars. Harry okay, Potter does suck Okay, they're talking people. about fictional characters. Fictional characters. <laughs> Alright, if you did not like the movie, you cannot raise it to a 3 because of the source material. You're rating Absolutely the not. movie. If you hated the movie that much, just give it a 1. You can't just be like, well, I give it two books, two points because I did like the book. And it was, it, it might have been directed for kids, but there was some mentally stimulating <laughs> stuff in there for, you know, for people, thinkers, intelligence, dignified hipsters like me. <laughs> I just love, I just love how, and this is not a shot. I know there's a lot of people and probably people who listen to us that love Harry Potter. And I have no essence on it because I didn't read the books because I was a little too old and I'm, that wasn't my, it's not my bag, baby. Yeah, I if missed it, the bus on this. If, it, if it's, if it's space wizards, like Star Wars, I'm in. If it's regular, you know, I'm just, that's just my preference. We all know that, right? And it's nothing against you guys. I, I'm not the one that takes offense to that's run. So send all your hate to at Red X uh, <laughs> 230. 230 on uh, the, the Twitter, Twitter, and or the uh, X. X. Yeah, sorry, it's the X now. Yeah. Hit, uh, hit him with Instagram. those Zers and the Instagram. That's your target, people. Aim well. However, <laughs> however, nobody's showing up. I, I, I know. But however, I will say this like, you have to remember. The books are still children's books at the end of the day. Granted, you're, you're, what would you say the age group? 10? Yeah, they're, they're young adults, so they're probably like 9 to like 13 is yeah. like targeted target audience. And that doesn't mean you can't like them as an adult. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. You can read them and like them as an adult. But to say that the books are super complex is, is not how it is because 9 to 13-year-olds, my kid included, who loves Harry Potter, like when he was 9... He understood Harry Potter. And I'm not saying my kid is smart. He's not stupid. But at the same point in juncture, if you think about it, like if it was super complicated, no child would understand it. But yet they all have no problem understanding yes. it. So my point is that you can't be like, oh, they put complex layers. Or did you just create those complex layers? And you, once again, I'm with Diesel. You can't give a movie three out of ten stars, or is it five stars? Three. Three, three out of... So you can't give... Well, I said, I was it oh. out of five or ten stars. Oh, uh, ten stars. Good. Yeah. You can't give a movie three out of ten stars because of the book. You have to give the movie a one or less star because you did not like the movie. I'm just throwing it out there. People. It's like giving The Godfather Part 3 a 5 out of 10 because number 1 is the fucking best. Listen, Part part 1 is a, is a classic. Part 2 is the greatest sequel ever made. Man, that Part 3, man, it sucked. But since, you know, a normal... Steven Pyle, a dog shit. If it, if it was... If Fuck, it, an abomination in the face of the Italians everywhere. If, 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 if Normally, a movie like that, yeah, normally, I'd give it a 1. But... 
But because it's the part three of the other two, I'm going to bump it to a five. But it's terrible. The only reason it's good is because it's part three, and I like part one and two. Like, that's fucking insane. By the way, I don't I don't actually think Godfather Part 3 is a 1. Uh, it's I, I, probably a 3. Like, out, out of 10, time. like Mike's critic score on it, yeah, I'd be like 3, 3.5 tops. I think if you look at it through the trilogy, it's a 1 out of 5 on the nerd scale. But I yeah. think it probably, like, out of 10 scale, it's probably a 3. I would give it a 2 on the nerd scale, only because we do get the classic line of, every time they that try to get out, they pull me back in. <laughs> if we didn't have that line... Then maybe I get lower, and of course, you know, there's the incest scene. They were ahead of their time. They just knew in 2023 the number one porn search would be all incest porn, and they were just planning for the future. Yeah. Listen, they were planning. Listen, Diesel, visionaries. They were planning the long game. Francis Ford Coppola was playing the fucking oh. long game. That's all that. Was. <laughs> that was fucking terrible when I said oh. it. it was, but it's a great joke. Please, people, it's just <laughs> true a joke. visionaries. True visionaries, because man, oh. that is a weird scene. Because they were definitely first cousins. Oh yeah. Because because yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but when you're when you're on Pornhub, do you ever look for cousins? No, that ain't close enough. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he was trying to be like a son to Michael. Uh-huh. That's the weird part. Yeah, you're this, oh. it was almost like like Batman '89. <laughs> you are my right hand man. Love massaging the uh, the shoulders. <laughs> Some good shit, man. Oh man, I tell you. By the way, Batman '89. Uh, shout out to the pint, man. Our good friends over there. Join their Patreon. I'm gonna plug them for once, man. If you like this show, if you like Three FN podcast. I suggest you go over to The Pint uh, and check out their show. And if you're on our Patreon, you know, get both Patreons because there's a lot of great content over there. They just did Batman 89 for patrons, and it was an amazing show. I got to give them a big, huge shout-out for that. We will be doing Batman 89 next year because it will be the official 35th anniversary of Batman 89. So I want to do it on an anniversary uh, because, you know, that's what we've been kind of doing around here when we're replacing shows. But it will be on the main feed. Nice. So... With that being said, though, folks, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the 3FN Podcast. Of course, next week we will be back with our review of Blue Beetle. But until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds! Later. Thanks for coming by for that little sucky sucky. Harry Potter just sucks people. (laughs) 